Hello everyone and welcome back. We are in no means experts on any of the topics we're about to discuss. We are, however, lifelong friends along with the slew of guests we will have joining us. There's nothing more we love to do than to voice our opinions on multiple topics. Some of you will agree with us, some of you won't. We could honestly not care either way. We just hope you enjoy the banner. So without further ado, we encourage you to sit back, relax, and welcome to the chat. I am your host, Micah McCall, along with my lovely co-host, Jared Trudeau again, aka Trev. Cool. Micah, I just want to applaud you for getting that. Right? I told you. Correctly. Just that that quick little that quick little fix on what was <laughs> tripping me up was able. No problem. No problem. Uh, <laughs> so our we have a great guest on with us uh, today. Uh, he is. I mean. I don't even know treads. You and him have gone back what since oh, elementary school, <laughs> first grade, dog. Yeah, um, first grade. I didn't meet him until freshman year, where he spent that entire year hating me because he only knew me through basketball. <laughs> <laughs> and you suck. And I sucked. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You weren't that bad. I'm just. <laughs> I mean, I was only getting playing time because the rest of our team as a whole was that bad. Because <laughs> if you remember JV, I was riding the pine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, our our guest is the one and only Chris Process. Chris, say hello. Hello, thank you for having me. I hope to live up to uh, the moniker of great guest. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Oh man. Um. So today's episode is well. For those of you that don't know, which probably is most of you, because more so because you guys <laughs> forgot, um, but me and me and Treads have always been gigantic movie buffs. Uh, yes, a cinephile, if cine- you will. Yeah, cinephiles, for sure. Um, <laughs> and so we are very excited to have a a movie episode for us yes. to, to discuss so, some things that are important to us. Um, and we love the fact that, uh, Chris agreed to, to hop in on this one because for the majority of our, what, decade of friendship, just about, just about, uh, trying to get Chris to get into movies and get excited about them. And he was a book snob, that English lit major (laughs) butthole that he is. Uh, but now... He's finally he's gotten. He's, come, he's finally come around a little, a little bit. And has, I did see him in Walmart. And as I saw him in Walmart one time with the Killing Joke DVD, and I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he is. We we finally got him to come around, and he's having a a little uh, what a cinema renaissance, if you will. I will, I will mm. say, I will blame um, my girlfriend of four years, Bonnie, for most of it. She, Micah has been... Uh, blame? Yes, blame. Micah has been dragging me <laughs> and right wanting term. me to watch a lot of the stuff for years. It wasn't until I had somebody in the room making me watch it that I had to do it. It's honestly, it was honestly, like, as happy as I was that he was finally watching. And, like, he even, like, texting me, saying how much he loved this or how much he loved this. And I'm like, that's great, dude. I'm gr- I'm super glad that Bonnie <laughs> finally got you to watch it. But uh, you could have been enjoying this for years. I've been trying my, to get... My childhood was movies, bro. Dude, same. Um, but, yeah, so thank you, Bonnie, for finally making him thank see you. the light. Um, 
<laughs> but so we're not just but for this episode we're not just going to talk just movies in general that's very broad and who knows how long this conversation could go if that's all we were going to if we we're just going <laughs> to do that so what we are going to do yeah. instead is that the three of us have gone into our old memory <laughs> banks here and we have each picked one movie that has that was critically despised and yes. some major shade thrown at uh, for it for how bad it is. But the movies we have picked are movies that we absolutely love. Mm-hmm. And so what we are going to what we what the game plan for this episode here today is is we are going to each present our film and we are going to explain and try to sell to each other and to you as well as the as the listeners uh of why the movies that the critics and a lot of people hate it so much we're going to try to get you to love it the way that we do well, not only that, it kind of serves as caution, too, because, like, I've personally have missed out on a lot of good movies because I heard they were booty or trash. Yeah, we were just talking, like, literally, like, talking yeah. about it. You haven't even seen I Am Number 4, which is another, it's been, it's called trash, and honestly, I love <laughs> it, and I think a lot of the action, like, a lot of the action scenes are really cool, and Teresa Palmer is fantastic. Like, I, that was... I have a huge <laughs> celebrity crush on Teresa Palmer. Word, that was going to be an aspect I brought yeah. up, actually. It might, and we should probably do this sort of episode again and choosing, an, you know, another movie. But next time, maybe we should, like, all uh, watch the movies that each other get. Like, just watch, not make notes or anything, but just to see, you know, like, just to get a, a taste of how bad they may or may not be. And then come in and be like, all right, so uh... this movie sucked, Michael. Why do you love it so much? Yeah, I like that. I like that, too. Um that is something we will definitely do in the future, but for right yes. now, I felt pretty confident we could do it this way because <laughs> oh, yeah. me and Treads talked about it before, so Tred, I already knew what movie Treads was going with, and I know I've seen it, so I, I, I get where he's where the basis of a lot of stuff he is. Uh, and Chris, I wanted you to keep yours as a surprise Yeah, for I have no idea what Chris yeah, is. I, I, Chris asked me if I wanted to know, and I told him to keep it a surprise for the episode. Perfect. Um, <laughs> but... No offense to you, Chris. You are still a little baby boy when it comes to movies. Therefore, I'm fairly confident I too have still seen the movie. Still in his infancy. I, I'm fairly confident I've seen the movie you are going to discuss. Well, I know here. that we... I, I'm pretty sure, Mike, I've brought it up to you before because it is one of my favorites. Um, Jared, I'm not sure if you would have heard of this. It's it's It was really quiet. Actually, looking it up today, I was trying to find like other reviews <laughs> of it and things. And the only ones I could find were on YouTube from 10 years ago with like 70 views at them. So oh god! It was, it was kind of oh, fun. Yeah, it oh, was kind of interesting to see this okay. movie that I've okay. seen now. I'm really fifteen or twenty. <laughs> Man, I'm like a bubble uh, so obscure. Okay. Okay. I li- I actually I like that. Maybe yeah, I, I'm maybe a big you, fan of maybe that. You, I'm gonna have to Google. Maybe this, Bonnie. Probably. Maybe Bonnie did uh, teach oh, you up no, a lot she faster hates than this. she doesn't like. That. <laughs> she's with the critics she's with the critics thing. got no, it I got was it. asking her like what movie yep. should I choose I like this I like that but I don't you know whatever and I'm like she's like well, pick I was this like, one well, I hate I love it. this movie and, no, and it's really not good I know that it isn't and I have my <laughs> but, but she's like oh yeah I've she only watched oh, it because God. it's one of my favorites and she said okay I don't have to watch that again right <laughs> oh man, I love it that bad. Okay, and I'm really curious. Yeah, I'm really curious too. But 
we've already dis- we've already established the order of which we're gonna go. And oh, you're gonna blue ball me like that? Yeah, I'm bro. gonna blue ball you. I'm gonna blue ball everyone. <laughs> All right. Oh, no. So okay, get people to stay listening. I like. So it. <laughs> enough of enough of the 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 preamble here. Um, I am going to be presenting my movie first, and as here we go. Treads, I've like I said, we've already discussed which movies we're doing, so you already know. But mm-hmm. Chris, the movie I'm going to pitch you is going to be a little ditty I like to call Battle Los Angeles. Is that the Rihanna one? No, that's Battleship. Okay. Yeah, that was Battleship. Also, also <laughs> not gonna lie, another movie I, I was think considering. came out around the same no, time. No, 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 no. I'm no. pretty sure. Battle Los Angeles came out in 2011, and Battleship, if I remember correctly, was about 20. Okay, no, I forget how. Close time is. So, you were so aggressive on those so notes. Aggressive. I was like, whoa. Oh. I was waiting for like a five year difference. Aren't I a something. dick now? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when did it come? I'm, 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 I'm pulling it up on IMDb right now. Listeners, you'll have Battle- to forgive oh, Micah. Sh- shit. Shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he gets a little excited. Oh, man. I am really an asshole now. <laughs> Battle Los Angeles came out in 2011. <laughs> Battleship came out in 2012. <laughs> what one year, Mike? What, what months? What months? Right, honestly, it could have been six months. Let's see. Um, okay, don't lie to me. Battle here. LA is March 12th. March 12th for Battle LA. Battleship is once it loads, because the internet here is doo doo. March 12th. Okay, so there's its release was survey set. Oh my god, I have to scroll to the bottom of the page. My goodness, the dead air is great. Wow. Yep. I'm I'm looking though. I Battle Los Angeles has a 1.9 out of 10 on IMDb. Wow. <laughs> Wait, what are you talking about? The rate the rating for Battle Los Angeles on IMDb is 1.9 out of 10. Better than mine. Uh, it's a, or worse than mine. It's a It's a it's a 5. It's a 5. <laughs> it's a 5. I don't know where you're looking. But I literally it's Google, bro. You Battle Los Angeles film. That's not IMDb. One point nine. That's some. It says dash IMDb right next to the score. Bro, I'm <laughs> telling you, it's I'm not independently. It is right. five point seven. No, I'm sure. I, I, I am on the IMDb right, right here, Micah. That's no, because I'm staring at it <laughs> on my computer on the actual website, not on Google, on the actual website, <laughs> having it at a 5.7 on IMDb with a 37 Metascore rating and the always faithful and reliable Rotten Tomato score of 37%. With, however, the audience score is sitting at 48%. So, suck it, Rotten Tomatoes. All right. Anyways. Anyways. Okay. So it was it was a year and a couple months. Either Battleship way. came out May eighteenth, okay. twenty twelve. So either you're way. still a dick. I'm still a dick. Um, <laughs> Chris, have you seen this fine feature? I have not seen this fine feature. Okay. So I will give you a quick synopsis because honestly, at this point, if you haven't seen it, well, I'll still I'll enjoy it. It's not, but it's not a good enough one to where I would feel you, bad. You know me. It. I rarely care about spoilers. Anyways. We could, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. But also, yeah. these movies are old enough to where I really don't care if I'm spoiling it. Mine's definitely old yeah. enough. Yeah. But uh, anyways. I don't know about Chris's, obviously. Because he blue-balled me. But it's a, okay. Battle Los Angeles. breadcrumbs out of you. Battle Los Angeles, <laughs> Battle <laughs> LA. Uh, so I, I, get, I already gave no. you the ratings for it and everything. 
on mm-hmm. the at least the main sites that I focus on, you know, Metascore, IMDb, and Rotten Tomatoes. But the the quick synopsis is. Oh, let me tell you this cast real quick. This is this is. I was just gonna one say, of the got, selling points. There's someone in there, and this I'm is, like, oh my god. This is one of the what? selling points right here. All right. So the top cast, you have Aaron Eckhart leading the charge as the main character. Uh, as an old, crusty staff sergeant in the Marine Corps. Uh, Chris, do you know Aaron Eckhart, or do I have to Aaron say Eckhart that he's Aaron Eckhart is uh, both from Batman, he was Two-Face, and he was in Thank You for Smoking, which is uh, probably my favorite thing I've seen him in. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> but So Aaron Eckhart's in it. Michelle Rodriguez from the Fast and Furious franchise is in it. Bridget Moynihan from Blue Bloods is in it. Uh, you have Neo is in it. Michael Pena's in it. Uh, where else are we? Jim Perry. Jimmy Neo oh, the no singer? way. Shut the fuck up. Hold on. Yeah, Neo the singer. Micah, did you know there's two Battle of Los Angeles? <laughs> and you were looking at the wrong one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. I see it at the bottom. More like this Battle of Los Angeles. Yeah, it has Keenan Thompson. Kel. That's why I was like, "What it's the?" It's Kel. Yeah, it's Kel. Kel. I was like, "I was like, what the fuck?" Yeah. Okay, this makes more yeah, sense. Yeah, there's right. the confusion. Okay, we're okay. That's that's the one point nine range. That's yep. next. That's next episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, so yeah, this it has a strong cast, right? And like, there are mm-hmm. other faces there that you guys pro- you guys won't know, but if when you see their faces, you know, like, uh. Noel Fisher is in it as well. Uh, he's he voiced uh, Mikey in the live act, the two new live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay. Yeah. So like some d- legit like star power mainly at the top with Eckhart, Michelle Rodriguez, Michael Pena, and Bridget Moynihan. Um, but what it is is you have bro. Don't don't be leaving Neo out of it. <laughs> I. N- I'll leave Neo hey. out of it. Actually, actually, I will say he was probably one of the funnier performances. Like he was actually pretty solid. It's got Michael Pena. That's a name Pena. I best sounds familiar. Uh, end He's, of Watch. Yeah, oh yeah, Ant Man. Yeah, like Ant Man too. Yeah. Um. But anyways, Aaron Eckhart, old staff sergeant from the Marine Corps, stationed out of Camp Pendleton. Uh. That's how the the movie opens up with him doing PT and getting smoked by all these young guys, and he goes in and says, "Hey, um, I'm separating from the military. I'm retiring. I'm getting out of here. I just I can't do it anymore." And it starts setting up, you know, this backstory where he, on his last tour of duty, he lost some troops, uh, and everything, and he was the only survivor from his unit that came back, and so he's also been kind of living with this black black mark over him in the eyes of a lot of the other men. Uh, mm-hmm. So it opens up with that, and then basically it cuts to a news report of about a meteor shower that NASA's been tracking and everything coming and that will be making landfall, and they've uh, <clears throat> mapped the course to hit somewhere off the coast of a few major cities across, like it's called Battle LA, but it's only because it's focused on the thing. There, the whole 
It, what, what's happening happens Yeah, then it crashes in the ocean. Yeah, it crashes in the ocean off the coast of many major metropolitan areas. Um, mm-hmm. But they start get. Then you start focusing in on the main platoon squad that we're going to be focused on uh, in the show, which has a brand new lieutenant straight out of uh, OTS, which is officer training. School. There we go. So, you know, that's a real cliche on that one. <clears throat> but he's there with all of their, with this whole other group of people and you start getting to see some of their backgrounds and then they get called in saying that they have to go. Aaron Eckhart's character gets grabbed by uh, the first sergeant saying, Hey, you got to stay and we need you to join up with this squad that just lost their staff sergeant. And so he gets tasked with them. And what we find out is that one of the dudes in the new squad, he just got tasked to mm-hmm. his brother was in the squad that he got killed. Ooh. Yeah. So ooh, tension, tension arising. <laughs> right. Uh, but Essentially, they find out that they have to go and they get the debriefing and the debriefing is literally saying that the meteorite, the meteors that are falling to Earth are not hitting the ocean at terminal velocity, which means they're slowing down. Oh, no, it's aliens. That's not a good sign. Yeah, that's not a good sign. Yeah. So they just get that. They get that brief little thing. Then they get sent off to the forward operating base. And that's where they are told that they are, in fact, being invaded. They see, on their flight to the FOB, they see the aliens come out of the ocean and just start bodying everyone. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and just so they get there, and everything. they are told that they don't have any sort of air force, like, they don't have any air superiority. There's no ships or anything like that. So their plan is to just clear out civilians and then let the air force and I quote, tear them a new asshole. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Michael's like, fuck you. Wait, are you saying the writing <laughs> yeah. is that good? Yes, the writing oh. is that good. Uh, so, so and this particular squad is tasked to go to a police station where they got a distress, say, distress call uh, that is like three clicks from the... They have to get to the police station and then they have to get the civilians out of the firing line within, I can't remember how many hours. I think it's like, they have like six hours, three, four hours, something, three to six hours. So, you know, ticking clock on top of an alien invasion, mm-hmm. double the suspense. And that's, that's literally this, the, the setup of the entire film. And <laughs> along the way, and the civilians happen to be Bridget Moynihan and Michael Pena's character, along with Michael Pena's character's son and Bridget Moynihan's two nieces. So they got kids with them now. Uh, there we go. Yep. And along on their way to the police station, though, they obviously they take enemy contact and realize that these aliens are like super. Mm, they have some serious <laughs> heavy duty armor. And okay. they are some tough sons of bitches to take down. Of course, they're aliens. Yep, they're aliens. So, like, they what were they expecting? Like, and it shows it showcases the LT not knowing what he's doing. Shocker. Uh, <laughs> and that's not even a, a 
the fact of the cliche of war movies, but the fact that LTs rarely know what's actually the fuck's going on. <laughs> and that's from personal experience. Mike is like, accurate. <laughs> yeah, I was accurate? like, accurate. <laughs> but, uh, so, and one of them gets uh, separated from the group and he goes and hides out and everything. They go back and they they go back to search for him real quick as they're regrouping and they have all these injured that they're trying to get while they're taken care of. And they finally kill their first one. They sh- The guy that they rescu- they go and find is able to shoot this motherfucker into a pool and just up- <laughs> lights it up, right? And then he turns around and, again, the thing pops out of the water. And every like the entire squad's there at that point. And they just light it up again and drop a frag in the pool and call it dead. That's what and it took that's nice. how much it took to take out the first guy. Sheesh. Yeah. And that was just one. And so they go back and they have they when they get to the police station they call they radio in a the rescue chopper so that they could get everyone out. But it takes them a while to find the civilians who barricaded themselves inside. That by the time the helicopter shows up, all they have room for on the helicopter is for the wounded. So the wounded get loaded up, including the <laughs> the guy who got separated, and a decent chunk, honestly, of like people that we got to know. And then they start yeah. hel- they start helicoptering, they start taking off. And as they're taking off, Aaron Heckhart, who found the civilians and everything, is got one a little girl, one of the little girls in his arms and he's running and he's like wait we got kids and as he's doing that and looking up at the helicopter alien aircraft comes smashes through the helicopter blows up kills everyone no, oh no. my god <laughs> goes right through it yeah and it was yeah and like this is huge Action. scene it's just like holy shit they have they have they have air power now and is literally like it's and it's it's a pod like it's a ship that literally like conjoins to a bunch of other ships that make a little circle and they just do patrols in the air like that. It's very it's it's oh. it's very cool, honestly. Okay. Uh, then they get while they're there, they're trying to get a way out, and they find a bus. They send the dude from New Jersey. It was a very funny joke from by Neo's character. Uh, he's like, does anyone know how to hotwire? Yeah, Neo, like literally the they were like, does anyone <laughs> does anyone know how to hot? Was he wearing a hat? He was he was wearing a helmet. I mean, it's a war movie. Fedora helmet, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fedora, fedora helmet. helmet. <laughs> but uh, they were like, "Does anyone know how to hotwire a bus?" And Neo's just sitting there. He's just like, "Stavro knows how to. He's from he's from New Jersey, sir." And so it's just like, "Oh, it's a good joke." Uh, yeah, New Jersey guys know how to hotwire things because they're New Jersey's a piece of shit. We get it. Um, that Jersey. is a funny yeah. joke. It is a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> but they so they go and get it while they're getting that one of um they're able to capture one of the aliens who is partially alive because they shot him up but they are bad at it. And so the the squad the squad's doctor Aaron Eckhart, oh and at this point Michelle Rodriguez also shows up. And she's Air Force. She's a tech sergeant in the Air Force. Oh, who's of course intelli- she is. I mean, she was a who's in, in who's Avatar, who's thing. in intelligence and everything. And so she was there doing her own mission. Gets lo- lost, and they run into her, and they're like, "Hey, you come along." And they find it. Basically, they use the doctor and everything, and they find trying to find a way to kill these things easier. And that's where they find it. They find the sweet spot, like under like 
I don't even know how many layers because they don't really show how many layers they cut through to get to it, but they find that it's version of the heart. And so it's like, hey, yeah, we can kill these things. Now. It's version of the that heart. Sounds like how but they killed Smile. Basically, <laughs> yeah. But basically, uh, the ships, the spaceships or whatever, the air power that they have are all drones. They find out that they're tracking their radio signals. So anytime they key up their mics or anything, that's they're getting brought attention. The aliens yeah. got There's it. a really dope scene when they're on the on the bus when they first figure when they first figure it out. They turn off all the radios and everything, and they are literally just stopped, stranded in, on this bus, waiting for this patrol to go away. And Aaron Eckhart grabs one of the radios with a rubber band on his wrist because rubber bands come in very clutch. Uh. Of course yeah. it's a rubber band. He runs he runs over to a nearby gas station, gets a rock, rubber bands the rock into the mic key. So the mic is so the radio's keyed up and so it tracks so the ship tracks over to the uh to the gas station, literally gets right on it and as soon as he gets right on it, Aaron Eckhart from a, f- a little ways away f- hiding behind a car pulls a grenade pin, yeets the grenade, blows up the gas station, blows up the entire ship. And this giant fiery explosion, and that's how they there find out go. that it, they're drones and everything. And so they're like, "Well, to get rid of them, since they're drones, they have a central, they have to have a central hub that controls all of them." And then Michelle Rodriguez's character is like, "Hey, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to try to find it." And they're like, "Oh, that would have been great to know." And so they go and they get the as they're working to back to the fob. The fob's fucked completely overran and no one's left there and they're and in the fighting to get there michael pena gets severely wounded because he was a he- being a hero the lt sacrificed of himself course. of course he was so the lt went bye-bye but of course he had to you know yell out simplify and pull the grenade pin to blow himself up no it wasn't grenade sorry it was it was c4 he c4 himself uh and then on their way to get the after they get they finally get to their secondary location to get the evac for the civilians they're flying across and then that's when they spot what looks like is the control center so Aaron Eckhart tells them to stop and everything and he repels down and after to this point like the whole there's this huge emotional scene when they get to the fob I mm-hmm. air quotes on that one uh where the dude's brother that he got killed, like he's finally confronts him and everything. And Aaron Heckhard goes in his, his little monologue talking about how he remembers everyone that he loses. He has their faces seared in his brain. And then he goes off to list everyone's name, every person in the squad that he got killed's name and, uh, military number, their ID number and everything like that. And it's just like, Oh, and then he gets to, he saves the dude's brothers for last. And then he goes on to say, "Is like he was a great friend, and everything's emotionally resolved." Woo! Hey. So he goes and <laughs> so again, he's in the helicopter, has him stop, goes to rappel down. He gets down. He's about to go do all this on foot by himself, so everyone else can get to safety. And then, of course, the inspiring moment where everyone left alive, besides the civilians, rappelled down with him. It's like we got you, bro. And they go find Beautiful. it and are able to call in a tow missile airstrike on the thing and then they have to hold out 
while they're laser guiding this tow missile into the thing. They destroy it. All the ships go bye-bye. And then it just leaves with them getting back to the new fob. And the... I can't even remember. I think it's a colonel. Telling them that they can go get some breakfast and... You know, relax. You guys did more than enough. And the Air Force is about to go take the fight to them now. And mm-hmm. all it shows is them go into this tent. And Aaron Eckhart just looks around, grabs his empty magazines, and just starts reloading, getting ready to go back out. So everyone else starts, you know, reloading all their mags, very symbolic. And then the colonel comes in and he's like, and it ends with Aaron Eckhart looking at him. He's like, I already had breakfast, and then just leaves to go back out to fight. <laughs> and it's like, all right, yep. But that is essentially what happens in the movie. That sounds People like most it. everything that happened in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My hey Mike, yeah. time out real quick. Guess I'm buying uh guess what I'm buying right now. Uh it better be an Xbox Series X. Well no. Oh. It's it's on my Xbox, so I'm oh, buying Modern Warfare uh, 2. I'm pre ordering yeah, I'm pre ordering nice. Have either of you played two K? Um No. Not the new one, no. I've been Jones. But here we're getting off topic. Sorry. <laughs> you're, we're good, we're good. Um, but yeah, so people hate it, and a lot of it is because of the overused cliches and uh, the really cheesy one-liners. And don't get me wrong, there are plenty of those. Like I, I'm not going to sit here and defend and say that this is the greatest war film ever made. I'm not even going to sit here and say it's the greatest alien invasion film ever made. But it does not deserve the hate it gets. Um, like, the action sequences are intense, they, they do, they do shaky cam, which is one of the reasons, is a huge turnoff for some of the people, like, I've been reading reviews and everything. Well, that's probably why it got rated bad, people are probably getting sick, So like Cloverfield. Okay, it's not, it's not that level of shaky cam. It's not like, it's not like free cam, it's still, like, you can still tell, it's just, they're making it, like more hectic and what i think at least the way i what i took away from it and one of the reasons why i actually enjoyed that method of how they did it is it's not new to war films by any stretch of the imagination like that's why i'm this is how my stance i'm taking on it is because it's literally how other war films have filmed their firefight scenes and even Mm -hmm. the directors and them explaining why they were filming it with shaky cams and it's to help induce the sense of unease and the sense of like it's supposed to it's trying to help you like realize how hectic and crazy this firefight is but some people are just seeing a shaky cam they're like wow this is really shitty camera work and not looking at the no they're trying to transport you into the thing and show you like how in hectic and crazy and discombobulating shit like this could be and so they're trying to, it's a way of them trying to invite you into the film instead of you being a spectator. How much do they utilize least, that though? Cause like, I think of like saving private Ryan's opening intro being like mostly a shaky cam type in the moment on the very much on the beach thing. But then, yeah, but then no, they use that as the intro once, and then once it was done and everybody in the theater could take a breath, they don't, I don't think they used it again. <laughs> so for the no. most part, it's just about every single gunfight, like in between gunfights or whatever. 
it's pretty it's standard uh steady cams and crane shots and stuff like that but during firefights is when they go with the more shaky cams uh, the shaky camera work which like i said i know like people yeah like you were saying trends like people will get like motion sickness and stuff from it but like it's not just them doing it just to do it it's them doing it with a purpose to help like to display the the hectic craziness of it to try to dra- draw you in um mm-hmm. so i honestly i'm not even that i i'm not offended at that at all and then one of those scenes that i really like really like that i feel like showcase military life pretty well is uh so before the alien invasion happens the squad was getting ready to deploy anyways and so like yeah. they were like deploying within a week and i guess one of their traditions is they go to a golf course in the middle of the night and just drink beers hang out drink beers and crush golf balls down a fairway <laughs> And it's in that scene where like they, nice. they bring girls over and everything and they're drinking and they're just giving each other so much shit. Because mm-hmm. that's what we that's what people in the military do. We if you put us together in a room, all we're gonna do is we're gonna sit there and we're gonna talk mad shit. <sighs> about especially if it's people Sand we know. Dude. So like we're just yeah. gonna sit there and we're just gonna talk mad shit. And like they start busting uh the young guy the one of the guys' balls because he's like uh even making fun of him like in front of the girl like in front of the, one of the girls that they brought specifically like for him and he's just they're just they're still like oh he's only 18 yeah he joined at 17 his mom had to sign a waiver and everything and just give it what? yeah like he yeah you can join the military at 17 as long as your parents sign a waiver that's fucked yeah but he wanted to do that and it's just like it showed a very good level of camaraderie in what it's kind of like to be in the military in those like in between shit when it's just you and your guys and mm-hmm. how you what you do to pass the time which i liked and like was it the best example of brotherhood in the military no Right. Band of Brothers obviously is fantastic at that. It's literally the name of the the series. Uh, saving <laughs> Saving Private Ryan does it a thousand times better, but it's because it Oof, has a thousand. Great movie. It has a thousand times better writing. Even Black Hawk Down. <laughs> Black Hawk Down is another like top tier war film that mm-hmm. showcases the brotherhood of the military better. But in a mo- in that move in Battle Los Angeles, to me, that was its best part. Like the action sequences right. were were great and engaging and try and they try to make you feel like you were there, but it was the the little the moments in between where even when they're in the middle of this alien invasion in the middle of this firefight and they have you have friends they have friends dying right in front of them and they'll still take the time to to crack jokes talk shit to each other because. That's what you have to do in those situations to make it through those situations. Like, it is fucking rough. Like, if you don't sit there and keep your sense of humor, that's when in those situations, shit shit will get super real very quickly. And that's why 
that's why a lot of people in the military, especially anyone who's actually like been in firefights and stuff, like a they don't talk about the firefights they've been in, and then two mm-hmm. they have some of the most dark fucking humor and are always gonna crack jokes because it's just how we cope and how we get through it to be able to keep doing our job. And yeah. I felt like they had just enough of those moments to interconnect the fighting that just put it above and beyond for me. To where, like, I'm never, it's not a thinking man's movie. Like, don't go, in, <laughs> don't go into it thinking you're gonna, like, that I'm building it up as like, oh, it's, it's on par with Saving Private Ryan or Black Hawk Down. It's not at all. Uh, but it is a great movie to, you got nothing better to do. You can't think of, you can't find it, any movie you like. You can just throw it on there. You don't have to give it your full attention to really know what's going on, and you can still enjoy it, and it's just a fun movie. And that's why I enjoy it. And I, like, I, again, I understand why some people would hate it, but for me, it has just enough stuff, even even some of the cliche stuff that it has, which, again, it has plenty. Uh, mm-hmm. For at least for the war movie genre, and it's just it's just fun. It's a it's a fun what I call white noise film movies. There you go. Just put it in the background. Well, what were like the what were the biggest complaints about? So, it? Um, let me pull up this review here. So a lot the complaints were quite literally the uh. uh the complaints were the cl- all the cliches, and by uh, hold on, I have one specifically. Like I literally went all the way down to like the one out of ten stars. So this one literally says, um, "It's shot like yes. like born identity, but with epilepsy." <laughs> 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 I appreciate that. Yeah, that's that that I wanted to make sure I got Micah, that quote because that Micah was... read this review and he was like, he was like, all right, bet he's like, I'm in for something with this. I, one. I knew this. Was like, I like, I like that one. <laughs> uh, and yeah, they were. You know, he they go on to talk with the annoying eighty uh, percent of the shots. It's not eighty percent, but eighty percent of the shots are extremely herky jerky close ups. Uh, How cliche is cliche? And then he is said, it like Starship Troopers. <laughs> no, because Starship Troopers <laughs> leans into the cliches because they knew what they were doing right. with that movie. Like that movie was written, directed, and acted like it was being almost a parody to those types I would of say films. Entirely satire. a parody. Yeah, almost to a satire. But it's not because it's still a real world that are real consequences and it still well, has it's real a, moments. It's a good. Pa- it's it's just, a well-written parody, sure. Uh, as opposed to okay, most of them. But either this one, this one was it's the weird Al Yan- Yankovic. This one, oh. this movie was trying to be serious <laughs> and trying to have this like tone through it, and it just came off mm. cliche. Um, and another thing just that wasn't it. Hey. Another thing that they had problems with, and I think it's slightly because they weren't paying attention in the movie. But they said that uh, how like early on it was so hard to kill these guys, the aliens. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. like by the end, they're basically, they're not. They he says they're like, uh, pulling the trigger, and they're the guys are just exploding, like the aliens are exploding. 
yeah, the blast. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's not like it's you're not actually just pulling. They it still takes a lot of bullets for them to kill them. It's just they're doing. Yeah, that's what you said. They're still doing it, but it's being more effective because that whole, literally that whole scene with Aaron Eckhart and them trying to find the soft spot, and so they find it. These guys are Marines, like. Marines are fucking nutcases, <laughs> and even the most a- like average of Marines would be considered, could be considered sharpshooters, especially in more elite squads, would still be considered some form of sharpshooter. So you give them a general area of like, hey, the soft spot is somewhere to the right of where the heart would be, I believe, is where they find it. And so he gives them that general sh- area of shooting, and you put enough bullets in that area of soft spot, something finally goes through. So it becomes easier for them to like. Still takes, uh, it still takes bullets. It just they're able mm-hmm. to centralize their fire and reducing the amount, making it seem easier. There you go. Um, another one of my favorite parts of this review is the very end. Uh, it's how he closes it out, and he literally says, "District Nine and the Born Identity had a really stupid baby." <laughs> That's honestly <laughs> kind of what it sounded like when you were describing it. Yeah, no, yeah. like this movie, like even the even the the cinematography for the film reminds me a lot of District Nine. Like it's a like it's shot with like it feels it feels like they're it feels like District Nine could be the sequel to this. You know, like set a little bit after the initial invasion. Obviously, I guess that's it's not, kind of the but, point of District like, Nine just... is that it's like the next step in the story that like nobody really explores. That's why I liked it. It, yeah, District yeah. Nine was great. Um, yeah, that that's my movie. That's why I like it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's what I thought. You guys check it out. Make, it, make your own decisions with it. Maybe, maybe um, we could have like a, in like a month or something. Uh, this episode revisited, where we've all watched each other's movies and come back yeah. for like a short episode. Re- re- Look at Chris, 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 you, you're the idea guy. I've spent the last like, five years listening to podcasts. Tre- I do understand how it yeah, works. Like literally, treads. I cannot tell you. Like hmm. this man has been like texting me every so often with like new po- podcast ideas. And I'm like, shit, I, I love, love it. it because I'm sitting here like I'm like. It's like I have these general ideas for episodes, but it's like <sighs> he's coming in with like these specific ones. I'm like, wow, that would really help keep like the runtime down and shrunk a little bit. I like it. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, uh, I'm done with mine, so that means we finally get to to know what Chris is to it? get this little nugget <laughs> of what Chris has. All right, Chris, I'm gonna finally get to shut up for a little bit, and the floor is yours. Good. Well, we sir. all love it when um, Micah keeps talking. Um, have you <laughs> ever you. heard of a little movie called Harry Potter? No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so for my movie, like I said, I, I, I talked to you guys earlier and I spent, I spent a while trying to choose a movie because, uh, as we kind of covered, I don't, I don't do movies that well. I don't like probably most of the ones that I'm, I'm made to watch by various people. I go to the theater maybe twice a year. And, uh, when you guys asked me to do this, I was like, uh, a mm-hmm. bit, um, I wouldn't say intimidated because you, you guys are cuddly, but uh, uh, a bit a bit nervous, <laughs> I'd say, just because my level of expertise is so much different. But I decided to think of movies that I really, really, really liked and then go from there because some of them just had to be awful. Like, you know, nobody all, only likes good films. 
Um, and so I thought about it and thought yes. about one that I've been watching. I started to watch on VHS at my friend's uh, vacation house because it was one of three VHSs there. Um, it was PG-13 for the 90s, oh. which means a few swears and sexual innuendos and alcohol and really not a PG-13 movie anymore. Um, but for 1997, sure. it was it was just all right. And so for my movie, I chose the Marlon Wayans starred The Sixth Man. Oh my God. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Hold on. All right, more I am not good. surprised at all. Of course, it's a basketball well, sure. movie. Oh, bro. Yeah, I've seen this movie. I haven't oh, seen good. this in I'm so glad Jared's long. Seen it oh, my God. Dude, same. I, it's been forever. Like, I know in my memory banks, we've discussed <laughs> it previously. Yes, yes, we have <laughs> talked about it. Well, like I said, I, I I watched it when I was little. It immediately hit me for a multitude of reasons that we'll get into in a second. Um, every time I watch it, I find myself enjoying it a little bit. Um, it, I've never once had the notion that it's a good film at all in any in real in any real respect. But I love it to death, and I will defend it um, <laughs> as a fun movie to watch and to at least check out one time. <sighs> Um, Michael, yeah. what do you remember about it, if anything, really? Uh, I just remember that uh, Marlon Wayans, uh, his, him and his brother played basketball at Georgetown? Or Washington. I don't know. They played college basketball, and I know that Marlon Wayans' brother dies. I don't remember how he dies, but he dies and basically becomes a ghost that only Marlon Wayans can see. Yeah, you got and, the basic premise. Yeah, and helps him out in the in the battle. Yeah, so games. I'll give a I'll give a, a slightly more uh, disc- uh, a better description. Not that I mean that was basically it. So yeah, uh, um, these two brothers. <laughs> it's Marlon Wayans and Kadeem Harrison. Um, Kadeem Harrison was in uh, a bunch of movies and smaller roles. You might know. We'll go over it in a second. But these two brothers are basketball stars. Um, they're both playing at the University of Washington, doing very well. Um, they've been, you know, growing up, having this dream of playing together for forever. Um, in the in the process of trying to make the NCAA tournament, the older brother, the uh, good one, who is on his way to NBA superstardom, um, collapses on the court and ends up having, you know, spoiler, it's in the first 20 minutes of the film, uh, ends up dying on his way to the hospital. And in a very sad, emotional scene in the locker room, they, the coach has to tell his younger brother that the, his older brother and star of the team has uh, passed away. Um, that's one of the, mo- the moments that uh, does always get me emotionally. I will say I'm not a very emotional person, but some movies do hit me, and that part always gets me hard. Um, they have a, a nice little 90s uh, soft R&B scene with you know, light music and dark lights and a nice tribute for the, for the fallen brother. And then, uh, as expected, it's a Disney film. As expected, they go for a little roller coaster. They lose their next few games. Uh, they're falling apart a little bit. Things are looking bad. Until all of a sudden, uh, some ghostly stuff starts to happen. And and eventually, it turns out that the older brother who has died tragically is back as a ghost. And he can only be seen and heard by his younger brother. And so, after freaking out uh, a, a little bit, they decide to play together. And they have this ghost act as their title, Sixth Man on the Basketball Court. 
Um, it's 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 really a, a cheating uh, movie. Um, most of the reviews I read it that were negative about it just said that I can't stand cheating. All they do is cheat. Blah blah blah. Um, it, it really is. They're they're blatantly cheating. Um, they're they're think angels in it's, the it's outfield. It's worse than angels in the outfield. He's basketball. taking the ball. He's 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 it's making worse. people jump. You know, twenty feet. You know, sky longer than Michael Jordan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's blatant ridiculousness and. That's one of the other reasons that people say it's a bad film. It's just, it's just, it's really ridiculous stuff, but it's funny and it's entertaining. And, it, and, you know, it's fun to watch a couple of brothers, you know, reveling in what their dream has always been and, you know, not letting death uh, stop that. Eventually, however, they they get into the um, NCAA tournament and they're getting pretty far. And uh, the team is starting to have bad feelings about cheating and about um, winning in this way. And it culminates in them, telling the ghost brother who is full of ego and arrogance, even in death that they do not want to play the championship game with him. And that if he tries to help them, that they will forfeit and quit. And so naturally they play the game without him. And naturally uh, as in a Disney film, they win and it's amazing. And uh, they, uh, one of the final shots <laughs> is the ghost walking um, out of the arena into a bright light and disappearing and uh, going into celebration. And that's the uh, very brief and basic description of the film. It's nice. It really is. Like it's it. It's been a long time since I've seen it, so I'm gonna be excited to watch. It's on it Hulu. Again. It is. Yeah. Hulu. Yeah, I have it pulled up. It's on Hulu. I haven't pulled it up on IMDb okay, and it says to watch it on Hulu. Yep, so yeah, it's easy peasy. Yeah, it. Uh, like I said, I watched it. I found the VHS at probably I couldn't have been older than five years <laughs> old, and just immediately the notion of a couple of brothers playing basketball. They were initially coached by their dad, um, who ended up having a heart attack off screen. Um, the you know that whole thing just as a young ball player uh, really felt close to home. And then uh, moving forward in my life, every like mm -hmm. I said, every time I came back to it and watched it, it just seemed to be more close to home as I grew up and played more basketball and lost more people in my life. It really just always seemed to have a place where, wherever I was. Yep. Oh yeah. But yeah. So it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's really not a good film. Um, rewatching <laughs> re it today, rewatching it today. <laughs> I mean, confirmed it's a... that. like I said, I love it and I'll defend it. But, um, the, the, uh, I mean this, so if you only want to watch, five seconds of the movie and and judge it the very first five seconds the title sequence the the title of the film is in comic sans <laughs> this is a multi-million dollar oh, disney good. budgeted film and the title sequence is in comic sans yep i it, love it it, it starts <laughs> off it starts off strong the very first the, the i can't even say the basketball sequences are that good um the very first play the kids are playing they're probably you know middle school <laughs> and um the the good brother goes and blocks some a kid's jump shot and literally sends it through one of the high windows of the gymnasium right through the window and into the parking lot just out of nowhere and then the game then then the game doesn't even mention <laughs> it again. just keeps going on like nothing ever happened and so you kind of know that you're in for a uh, roller coaster of real life after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love yeah, it. It, um, it does. Like I said, Marlon Wayans is the main character, and it does. It's it's a classic Marlon Wayans performance. I mean, he's he's loud and he's brash and he's awkward, and he's got good physical comedy. He's pretty funny in it. Um, 
the uh, the love interest is I think her, you you pronounce her name Michelle Michelle Michael Michelle I'm not sure she hasn't been in too many things. Um, she was okay, not really, not that bad. Didn't have any good lines or anything. Um, she played a reporter, so the main mm-hmm. love interest ends up being a reporter who finds out that a ghost is helping them. And uh, there's a little bit of drama whether will she or won't she publish the story that will break the team wide open. Um, I say drama. It's really you have to pay attention to even understand that it's going to be a problem. Um, it's it's not really ever said or explained, and it's not it's not really that well done. <laughs> um, I'll say uh, the it's it it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to keep bashing it before I bring it back up. The uh, the, sto- the story is boilerplate. Like I said, <laughs> they start off good. Brother dies. They get bad. The the brother comes back. They get good. And then they win the final game under difficult circumstances. That's that's literally the entire story. That's all you need to know. Uh, you can understand the entire thing from there. Um, and they don't deviate at all. They're like I said, the brother. Um, the way they kill the brother, he dies on the court in just kind of a random way. He he goes up for a dunk and successfully dunks it, and then just kind of falls from the rim straight onto his back. And at first, it makes it seem like like I'm thinking head injury because they show his head bonking the court and. I mean, if you know anything about, like, if, uh, you know, anything medical injuries, that's not a good thing. But then they said that they had a heart attack and he dies off screen in an ambulance. Oh, jeez. And so that was just okay. like, there was, there was any number of moments that. in the first 20 minutes where they could have killed him off. You know, they, they went to a club. There could have been some sort of violence or something more meaningful. But he just kind of dies off screen. And, it, and you know, the, the saddest part isn't him dying. It's the kid getting the news. It's not even the, the, the brother dying at all. Um, and then, yeah, it's all, it, none of the acting performances are that good outside of Marlon Wayans, I would say. Um, there's a couple of bit characters, faces you guys might recognize, but, um, I can't really, I'd have to bring up the IMDB real quick, which I will in a second. Yeah, I have go. it pulled up. Uh, Chris Dunn, uh, the Shia LaBeouf's dad. In That's all I ever remember him as. Yeah. And then David Raymer, Pamer, David Pamer who is most noted in The American President and in Good Company. Yes, and I've never heard of either of those. So it's a it's a face you would know. I know, I know <laughs> you would know his face treads if you saw it. I just Yeah. Yeah, there's no yeah, other than Marlon Wayans and uh, like I said Kadeem Harrison who is in White Man Can't Jump and yeah. Oh. Octavia Spencer Octavia Spencer's in it. She's a little further down the list. Is she? In it. Yep. Nativity Watson. Is her is her is her character? I do not remember her being in it at all. Interesting. I will say <laughs> another reason that I would just like immediately write this movie off, where I'm more judgmental. I noticed that in one of the scenes, they're playing the team is playing UCLA, and Bill Walton is on the sidelines. They got him for filming. He's on the sidelines. Doesn't have a single line. <laughs> he might. He what? might be the most ah. interesting extroverted man on the planet, and they didn't give him a single line, and his face was there for maybe three seconds. What Jerry, a waste. The Georgetown coach, uh, uh, John Thompson, had more lines than he did. <laughs> yeah, so that was, uh, that was a huge waste. I thought I just noticed that this rewatch. But now, I, will, I say all that to say that I love it and try to rewatch it at least once a year. 
Um, like I said, it's just, uh, it's just a fun, it's just a fun premise, you know, a kid and his brother, uh, growing up together, playing some ball, playing for the same school, you know, chasing girls around. It's a lot of fun. The, uh, the locker room scenes that the guys messing each other, messing with each other, um, are just, you know, they really hit close to home for any, any, you know, youngster or anybody really that grew up with a locker room, uh, boy or girl, you know, that's a similar mm-hmm. feeling. Um, it's, you know, they've got great chemistry. All the actors have great chemistry. I wasn't, I couldn't find if they had like spent too much time together beforehand or during filming, but it really seemed that not, not on the court, but just off the court, their acting chemistry in general seemed really fluid and smooth. And that would, that would be one of the only positive things I could say about the acting as a whole is, is the, (laughs) is the team themselves. They might not have been good individually, but it was, it was fun to watch them as a group. They all had a good dynamic together, I, I would say. Um, yeah, like I said, the emotional scenes, nice. they do, they do get me. They, they, uh, they, they hit a little bit close to home. Um, they're, they're nothing crazy. It's nothing gory. It's, it's not too tragic, but, uh, it does. They, I think they do a good job of, um, conveying, conveying the emotion and how it, how it would hit, not just the brother, but they show the teammates reacting and, and, uh, cl- you know, classmates coming up to him afterwards and things like that. So I thought they did that yeah. in, a, oh, in a kind shit. of down to earth way. Um, and then it is always just fun yeah. to watch and, you know, an underdog story come together and, uh, play some good ball and eventually win. And if you can suspend your sense of disbelief for a second and watch some good ghost antics, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a, there's a mascot who, who tries and fails to dunk several times throughout the film. And, uh, in one instance, the ghost helps him by <laughs> basically ballooning and jumping him 15 feet in the air. And everybody just kind of takes that as possible. Uh, it's, it's yep. you know you got it you do you kind of just gotta live with <laughs> of it. course the, um, of course hey it's it's the fl- flubber I mean flubber did the same thing with the guys jumping out of the bro, gym. sure I but, love but that flubber was like I love there that. was no like people were reacting to flubber like holy crap that was you know that's flubber that's amazing everybody just kind of said wow the mascot made the dunk that time <laughs> they're like oh cool yeah and that's one of been like working I said, out. the main the main things that people had a problem with that I could find I don't know if they were just 10 years old when they were writing this but everybody just said oh nobody noticed the rampant cheating and nobody was watching game film to see that this ghost was doing stuff and, <laughs> and reading these going guys no it's, one a, was it's watching a ghost game it's, yeah we've already we've already <laughs> lost the idea that this is in reality Stop. like yes in this world they're not watching film and realizing what's going on and espn is not covering it throughout the that's tournament because weak. it's a ghost and it doesn't this this that's not the universe we're living in at this moment so i do have a problem like i, I don't i don't like i said i don't get into movies often but when i do when i am able to suspend my sense of disbelief i have a problem understanding those that do it in a sort of half fashion like accepting the fact that there's a ghost doing right. stuff but not accepting that the world may not notice for a little bit is kind of weird to me <laughs> that's fair yeah, yeah so i will it's it's not a it's not a great film but i will defend it as 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 fun to watch it's a it's a it's a decent it's it's a low-grade sports movie but if you have an hour and a half and you like basketball and you think you know something like that could be fun to watch maybe you like a marlon wayans that's not too inappropriate um it's yeah it's, it's worth checking out and uh making your own conclusions you may not you know you may like it it's a simple enough story that should cater to everybody 
There we go. Yeah, that's uh, that's mostly. I, I I'll go through. IMDb has it rated at five point six, which was low enough for me to you know consider it. Um, Roger Ebert rated it one and a half <laughs> out of his four stars and called it stupid. <laughs> Just straight up. <laughs> his main problem was what was his main problem? Uh, it was. I think his main problem was the scouting was basically that nobody that like you wouldn't be able to get away with such blatant cheating with, with videotapes and everything. Nowadays. And, like, <laughs> no one's yeah. watching game film. Kind of people have accepted that as gospel already. Like we're already, we're past. Yeah. Oh, so he rated it one and a half stars um, <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. It's 23% audience only has it at like 40 or 50. Um, but uh, I, like I said, the only the only negative reviews I found were I thought for reasons that completely missed the point of the film, and I will I'll tell anybody that right. likes a feel good story, maybe you know maybe a brother story, maybe a teammate camaraderie story, maybe they just like some some decently bad basketball to watch on the on the TV for a while, but it's worth checking out. <laughs> All right. Well, well then, I I guess that leaves me yeah, the best, last. yeah, buddy. So, yeah, 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 thank you. But uh, the movie I picked is a nice little film from 2003, which fun, or uh, I'll just say it and then I'll run into fun facts, but it's The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen starring Sean Connery. The great Sean Connery. Correct. And that leads me to my fun fact. This was his last film that ever? he actually ever did. Yeah, because he retired. Ever. Yep, he retired after this movie. I mean, the man was what, like, oh god, I can't. He was he was in his seventy. I think he was like seventy four or something when they yeah. filmed this. Which the man looks great in this movie, dude. Seventy. The man looked great until he, up to his death at like ninety. Yeah, he was a <laughs> he was a beauty. <laughs> <laughs> well, that didn't take long for the Connery impression. <laughs> <laughs> oh man my favorite is the family guy where it's like red october standing by <laughs> the star wars episode yeah red one all right anyways <laughs> so this was uh like i said sean connery's last film uh it got a 17 percent on rotten tomatoes a 44 percent audience score and it has a 5.8 on IMDb. So it's just rang dragged <laughs> through the mud. Like no one liked this movie. Sean Connery didn't even like this. He fucking hated this movie. Um but it like it did well. It I think I read it made like 179 million I, I, like I, globally. I got you. Hold on. Box office uh gross worldwide 179 million. it made a it made an ass ton of money it was a summer blockbuster like it was marketed heavy like it literally like this had a it gross so its budget was 78 million and it made 101 million more (laughs) that's a success it it was a success but everyone hated it for which i don't understand but it is loosely based off a uh comic based off the same name and like i said it came out in 2003 so you gotta keep in mind like what other movies came out i was a finding nemo pirates of the caribbean 
Yeah, Lord of uh, the Rings, can... The Matrix Reloaded, Bruce Almighty. Hell yeah. That's like was that it... was a good year yep, for that movies. Was a good year. So like And it was also so like this movie is kind of like a superhero team up, but it's like people you wouldn't expect. It's like go through the cast. People that... the, I'm okay, killing so... ca- I'm looking at the cast right now and it just kills me. <laughs> <laughs> the cast is very interesting. But yeah. well, we have Sean Connery as the main character of Alan Quarterman, who uh, I think it was King Solomon's m- Some, mind, whatever. Like so he, yeah, so he's like a historical, like old, like legend kind of basically. And in the movie, he is a sharpshooter who can't die basically because in Africa, some witch was like. Africa won't let you die because, like, Africa loves you. And so he, like, can't die, basically. And then we have Stuart Townsend as Dorian Gray, who, similar, he can't die. He's, again, based off of, like, an old-time story, like, legend thing. And basically what his deal is is he can't die as long as he doesn't look at the portrait of himself because the portrait of himself ages, but is that he where doesn't. I've heard the term portrait so of as Dorian soon as he looks at perhaps. Yes, that is exactly where you heard it from. So like, if he looks at his portrait, he instantly ages to the age of the portrait. So this dude's old as shit. Then we got, I don't even know how to say her name. Peta, 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 Peta Wilson. She plays Mina Harker, which is from Dracula. Mm-hmm. And so she's a vampire in the movie. Winston. That's my dog. Yeah, that's my dog chewing on a toy. Um, then we have Jason Fleming. Fleming. How do you say it? It's, it's Fleming. Yeah, He's he Welsh. Put- it's spelled weird. It's Fleming. Fleming. Okay. Winston. My God. I'm going to take that away. Anyways. He plays Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So another classic like legend story. Um, then we have, oh my God, I'm taking that toy away right now. <laughs> Winston, give me the shirt. Uh, real quick while he's doing that. Stuart Townsend, uh, the guy who plays Dorian Gray, is literally most known for being in uh, Queen of the Damned. I don't know if you ever saw that. I did not. Uh, it's a vampire. It's a really shitty vampire movie, uh, where he plays like this vampire rocker who, with his rock music, awakens this ancient vampire who is called Queen of the Damned. Sounds like a movie we need to discuss. But it's bad. (laughs) But (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember. There was a like the Queen of the Damned is also some like. Singer, I don't know who she is though. Hmm. Well, we have. I think this guy's famous in Bollywood, something like that. Nasiruddin Shah. He plays Captain Nemo from A Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Yep. And then we have Tony Curran, who plays Rodney Skinner, who is basically the Invisible Man. And then, lastly, to wrap up the group, is. Shane Shane. West, who plays (laughs) Tom Sawyer. Yes, the Tom Sawyer. But he is a U.S. special agent. He was in the books, too. So, that is the main cast. And 
And the synopsis of it is a team of extraordinary figures called from great adventure literature, including Alan Quartermain, Vamp- Vampirus, Vampress, Mina Harker from Dracula, The Invisible Man, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and an American Secret Service agent named Sawyer, a.k.a. Tom Sawyer. Uh, Captain Nemo and Dorian Gray are called to stop a villain named the Phantom who is intent on turning the nations of the world against one another and basically starting a war that will end the world. And it was very, I liked it. Like, I feel like it was spaced out very well, like the timing of it and everything. Like they team up pretty quick and they like kind of run through the people pretty quickly. And they like, while they're doing that, they also build up the villain and I'll just run through it basically. Like you guys said, quick little run through of the movie. So, uh, basically there's that guy, the phantom, he's collecting, uh, scientists like German scientists and like collecting the blueprints to Venice and like just doing sketchy shit and like killing tons of people while doing it. And so he's raising a lot of, a lot of eyebrows, and, like a lot of attention to himself. So the, British, the royal monarch, the queen. I forget what queen it was at that time. But uh, she's like, we need to round up a team of people that can like take this dude down. So they hire this dude, M, who's part of the royal secrets, whatever it is. And he gets Alan Quartermain and they have Skinner and the vampire lady. And they're like, all right, you need to go recruit like uh, Dorian Gray. And then we need to go pick up Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And they're like, all right, bet. So they go and do those things. Like they get Dorian Gray, which they get ambushed by the Phantom during that, which is sketchy. But um, pick him up. They pick up Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. They get them to join their team. Like, for Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, they were like, we'll ignore your how many murders in Britain if you do this. And they're like, all right. And during this time, Dorian Gray is being very sketchy. Like he's uh, cutting Skinner and like getting a little piece of his finger, uh, like his skin because he's the invisible man. He's like stealing Dr. Jekyll's potion and stuff. And they're all like, what the fuck? So then they the phantom got the plans for venice because he planted a bunch of bombs under it and was going to blow it up and he was going to cause basically because it was like this big world uh event something going on there with a bunch of other countries and so he was going to blow it up and they stop him but then when they get back to their ship to captain nemo's ship they realize dorian gray left with all that stuff he had stolen and that M is the phantom. So the dude who recruited all of them is the bad guy. And he basically, they both go to Russia and what they're doing is they're build or they're building and mass producing all these weapons and stuff. And they're basically just going to try and take over the world. And so they have a bunch of invisible men because they got the dude's skin and was able to figure out how he became invisible. And they got, like they're able to get vampire like 
they were set because they had stolen all this stuff from all the people. And end of the story, they end up uh, stopping him, and Alan Quartermain dies, allegedly. And the movie ends with them in Africa burying Alan Quartermain. And uh, my freaking dog. But, uh, Vincent, bruh. They end up burying him, and there's a witch dude doing a ritual, and there's a bunch of lightning, and the ground shakes, and it looks like Alan Quarterman's alive, because these movies were supposed to be a bunch of movies. Like, their plan with this was to make, like, because X-Men X2 came out that year, they wanted to do, like, their own trilogy of movies based off of the co- this comic book. But that clearly didn't happen, because it did so bad. And the biggest criticisms were it was appallingly stupid and, and incompetently made. Uh, your enjoyment of this fascinatingly flawed action-adventure fantasy will come down to how far you are prepared to go along with its original and absolutely off-the-wall premise. Uh, it says, sadly, the rot sets in just over halfway mark when the action loosen, loses its identity Oh, that one's just a... Anyway, people hated it. And they ended up getting sued, actually, in 2003. I think I remember that. Because, yeah, because some dudes apparently went to 20th Century Fox with a similar idea. But they, in 1993 and 96, I guess. And they ended up not going with it and going it off of Alan Moore's comic, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Which is like the same premise of what these other and dudes were pitching. Also drastically predates 1993. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. say drastically, but it was in the 80s. I think. Yeah. No, it said. So the movie came out in 2003, and it says here that they had pitched the their script called Cast of Characters in 1993 and 1996. And then they came out with this movie in 2003, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I was talking about the. So I was got, talking about when the comic came out. Oh, the comic, the com- I don't know when the comic. Well, I think that came out in the nineties. Yeah, as it did well. come out in the nineties. Yeah, so they ended up settling it out of court, and Alan Moore, the guy who made the comic, was really upset because he didn't even get a chance to like fight it because it was basically going like against him too. And anyway, it was just a big shit show. Like everyone hated it. There was this lawsuit uh sean connery hated the director and was very like open about it and <laughs> things you can afford to do when you're <laughs> I was gonna say that's the most when you're sean the most when you're in your when, 70s and you're the most influential man and in, like <laughs> the best yeah, when you're sean fucking yeah. connery. <laughs> when you're when you play james bond sir, you carry a sir of, john sean connery when, when you play when you play james bond you know, you kind of carry around a nice little gravitas to you for the rest of your career. Literally. I mean, look at Pierce Brosnan. Has he done? Look at all he's done. He hasn't done shit. I mean, exactly. But everyone still knows who Pierce Dr. Brosnan Finn. is. Because yes. he was James Bond. True. But, uh, anyway, so, like, the movie is rated horrible, but I don't get it. I loved it as a kid. Like, as a kid, I thought it was the coolest thing because, like I said, it was during the time when, like, 
like superhero movies and stuff were starting to come out. And I was like, oh, awesome. Here's another one based off of some cool, like old time, like uh, stories. And I liked like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde and like all that stuff. So I was like, cool. And I loved it. Like the action was awesome. Uh, as a kid, I thought it flowed great. Like I thought it was just a great movie. And I rewatched it again last night. Was it last? It might have been the night before. Anyways, I rewatched it, and uh, I still really liked it. Like it felt the same as like the first time I watched it. And so, like, I don't understand. A lot of the reviews were like nitpicking, almost. I feel like because they were like ragging on the CGI and stuff. I'm like, it was 2003. I was like, come on. But I think it flowed well. It like they had some really cool things. Like when Dr. Jekyll was Dr. Jekyll, like when he looked in a mirror, like a reflection, it would be Mr. Hyde. And like, that's how they talk to each other. And like, yeah. And like Mr. Hyde was fully prosthetic. And so when they did the changes, like when he was transforming into Mr. Hyde, they would slowly put on the prosthetics like one piece at a time, but like make it look like it was him transforming. So it was really cool. And then like, there's just a lot of cool things. And I think it just got absolutely hated on for no reason. I don't understand it, but it was, it was a good movie. Like I said, I watched it again after I probably the last time I saw it was middle school. So I watched it again last the other night and I still, like I said, loved it. And all of the nitpicking stuff, I didn't even like, you can overlook it because it's a movie from 2003. There's some corny things like Sean Connery is fighting someone and they do something. <laughs> and he says naughty. Sure. Like, <laughs> but <laughs> I liked it. I was like, saucy dog, you. Yeah. And like he they had him fighting and like he looked good fighting like the whole movie, even though he was old and it was his last movie. Like he still looked good doing it. And like I just I don't there was one bad part of CGI and that was at the end when they this guy drank a shit ton of Dr. Jekyll's elixir and he just turned into this absolutely massive red, like huge like dr hyde monster thing and it was it was bad cgi but like it was he was in the movie for a whole not even one minute hopefully overlooked so it was like whatever (laughs) it was really bad though that's that's honestly it it was that's the one that's the one part that i remember is that bad scene it was bad yeah like oh even when i was a kid i was like oh i scroll through the photos and i found the picture of it on right, IMDb take a look. of that scene. Yeah, it's it's oh, it's bad. It's yeah, it's not good. <laughs> and that's like a big complaint of it is the CGI. And it's like yeah, but it, like I said, it's at the end. It's when there's he's not even on the screen for that long. And that was one of the things where it's like the film slips into special effects extravaganza with a monstrous rampaging Mr. Hyde headlining, which is the red monster dude. Yeah. And 
like a lot of it is like there's nothing real like no real consequences is at stake and it's like are you shitting me like a whole army of invisible men dr hides and like vampires and shit are gonna ru- like rampage through the world how is that not like a big enough <laughs> yeah that's, how's that not a big enough stake <laughs> like and they're saying like the the villain wasn't that well done and it was like it was a guy who was a fake villain like it wasn't supposed to like the main villain was m and like that whole part i remember as a kid when i first saw it i was like no fucking way i was like that dude's the phantom i was like what and it like i don't know a lot of it i just don't understand it's it's a lot of nitpicking and i feel like people watched it for the first time like recently and so they're like well oh, and like, i feel ass. this way about movies is like i feel like a lot of people at least that proclaim that they love film uh, go into watching a movie expecting or hoping it to be at least a tier and if it's not it just goes down from there for them whereas my philosophy has always been this is why i don't watch a lot of films is i expect most films will be some level of not good or like not enjoyable for me and then when they are it's just a bonus and i enjoy it and can it brings it up <laughs> a lot more and i feel like 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 starting from the bottom and being like okay so yeah. that was fun sean connery did something fun here oh that was an interesting storyline it's a lot better than well this is sean connery this is supposed to be a masterpiece and why is this big red monster in it yeah like if you go into it like just like with Micah when he said for his movie if you go into it like just looking for some action some like white noise or something like it's good for that but like to me the story and like the mystery of it is still good enough to like it holds up. be able to like yeah like cuz you the whole time you thought the Dorian Gray guy was the bad guy because they got ambushed at his place and there was tons of like soldiers there and stuff and it was like what the fuck it's like where did all these people come from and then they showed him like doing these sketchy things so the whole time you're like oh yeah and they only showed the m dude for like a few minutes in the beginning of the movie so like you kind of forgot about him and then he come yeah and then what how they reveal it is it's a record and they leave it on the ship for them to play and while they're playing it that shows them the two guys in black and white, like sitting in a fancy room, like telling everything that they just did. And then they're like, they're like, you're probably wondering why we're telling you this. It's like, it's because you're not going to live long enough to tell anyone. And the, like the ship just starts blowing up. Whoa. And it was like, what? So like, I don't know. It was good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I can't remember if I've got been told to watch that no one or avoid it, but I have at least heard of it. It used to be on FX a lot. I would. You've probably been for the. Yeah. Yeah. It was on FX a lot. <laughs> FX has the movies. FX, dog. FX does not have the movies anymore. <laughs> FX has the FX. FX has, FX the, has the really good TV shows now, though. Yeah, they do have some good ones. But, but no, Chris. Yeah, my stance is like always watch a movie. Like the and make the decision for yourself. Yeah, ultimately. Because everyone's got different tastes. And, like, you can ask Mike, you can ask anyone. I'm the least, like, crit- I'm That's terrible. more where I, I come enjoy to, yeah. too, though, is either, like, so I'm like, not going to give the, the time of day, or it'll be like, that was a film. Like, that was fine. Like, I don't, you know, whatever. 
There's very few movies I've been upset that I spent the money to go see, and one of them is the last Star Wars movie. <laughs> I almost wanted. I watched that movie for free, so I I was I was upset I wasted my time, but I was fortunate. I was glad that I didn't spend. Yeah, any money lucky on you, it. you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, you not being like that big of a critiquer and everything, and enjoying most things. It makes me so happy when you are final when you have started agreeing with me and how shit She Hulk's been earlier today. Oh yeah, bro, She Hulk's bad. Oh, like, makes- I only watch it for the the continuing and knowing what's going on in the MCU. Like it's the only reason I watch. Yeah. it. and I hate that. That's <laughs> how. Like I don't like. Honestly, I don't like that Marvel does that. Like. Yeah, but it's the only way they're gonna get anyone to watch that show. Like the uh, people yeah, who would genuinely like it, I don't, trash. I don't get it. Like I don't, because like I'm, I don't know anyone who genuinely like. I it. haven't. I mean, I've seen them online <laughs> because they are defending it tooth and nail online. But it's Disney, man. It's the but, box. It's the but box. for like personally, no, I know no one. But like, <laughs> I'm very critical about a lot of things. However. Even movies that I strongly dislike or don't like, I'm at least able to discern. It's like, okay, I get if people like this movie because, like, it's bad to me, but, like, this part has its redeeming quality. So, like, if people want to focus on that part and that's why they like the movie, I get it. But, like, with She-Hulk. You're like, I get it. But with She-Hulk, I just, (laughs) I, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Yeah. That, That one's a mystery to us all. Yeah. Um... Well, Chris, you have anything else you want to say or, or ask um, us? I'm going to watch both of your films within the next couple of weeks, probably, to see what I think of them. Same. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Same. I do have a question for you, though, Chris, since you being, like I said at the beginning of the episode, the, the literary nut of my friends. Um, have you watched any of the Lord of the Rings yep, series that up. Amazon's doing? Oh, actually, new episode tonight. I haven't watched. You're that all caught yet. up. Woo! Same. I haven't watched it either. So yeah, I haven't watched. The real quick, one, without yeah. I mean, nothing's really happened yet because it is a slow. It's a slow burner. So far, it's been a slow burner for me, in my opinion. But I personally really enjoy it, and I'm not getting a lot of the hate. And so, from someone that I assume you've read. Lord of the Rings, or at least the it's Hobbit. Because it's not. It goes way off. Of I everything. like that's the thing. Like, I haven't read the books, thing. and so I don't like. I know that a lot of the reason people are like hating on it is like book related stuff, but like I'm not seeing anything specific, other than like I know like in the movies, Gimli makes the joke to Eowyn that you know uh, female dwarves like people think they they look so much similar to men to male dwarves that people think there aren't no female dwarves and then in this series the female dwarves are very feminine mm. so it's like i like all right i see that part i get that but like yeah. outside of that i don't get where the hate's coming from and i was hoping that you could like if you if you've read the books i just i always just assume if it's a big popular book like that you've read it because so that's you didn't how get you to are. go to college with us but I not I've, so I've read all three books and The Hobbit and The Silmarillion and The Unfinished Tales and the letters that his son wrote and I took a Lord of the Rings class at NMU. My God! <laughs> so your instincts it. were correct. Okay, 
Okay, but do you <laughs> see things that I'm missing since I haven't read the books that is like leading why people don't like it? Because to me, like I said, other than it is being a slow burn, I like a lot of the story setups that they're doing. I like that there's like five different. It feels like there's like five different people in play that could end up being are actually Sauron, and we just don't know it yet. And I. Like I and then the action sequences that we do get, which again it's not a lot, but the action to me is done very um, well. So there is, and so I, jo- I don't understand. Has a problem with its deviation from the original um, intellectual property. Either forgets or doesn't realize, like the original Peter Jackson trilogy was about as far off from the films. Um, they they skipped over the last <laughs> about yeah. third of the final book. Um, they left out huge important characters. Aragorn doesn't look anything like Viggo Mortensen. Legolas looks completely mm-hmm. different. Gimli's different in the books. It's all the, the, the like those are those are as different from the source <laughs> material as whoever whatever nerds are complaining that this is far off. I mean, it's a it's it's an adaptation about a fantasy world that was written a hundred years ago. It's not. There's no. There's no right. source material to adhere to. That's a hundred percent anything. Um, so yeah. as far as like Lord of the Ringsy stuff goes, I've been enjoying it just being back in that world and having fun seeing yes. elves and dwarves and, and, and Superman and Dude, it's just, and it's, and, and it's just fun to see and be a part of and, and, you know, see the evil creep up and things, but like seeing that mm-hmm. the, the dwarf fortress under, I, I can't remember I where it was. I do have to let my dog okay. out, so I'm going to sign off. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll wrap it up here in a second. Uh, but I just wanted to get your opinion. Yeah, I'll, Chris, say, I'll say quickly, the, the Lord of the Rings is just as far off as the original trilogy. And if you're not having fun with that, I feel sorry for you. However, I think the writing is bad. The pacing is bad. Um, the storyline they chose isn't that strong. The acting isn't that good. And there's way too much slow-mo. My nitpicks don't lie in the yes. Lord of the Rings stuff. They lie in the <laughs> Amazon production side, which I usually have a problem with. I mean, most of the Amazon Fair. stuff that I've watched, I've more than thoroughly enjoyed. That's actually, honestly, Amazon originals are some of my favorite like you streaming have to point originals. More my way. That are I don't there. know of many that. Well, I mean, you don't want to watch Runaways, Invincible, yeah, Jack I don't like Reacher, any of those. Invincible, right. yeah. You have Have you I watched the, the first Reacher? two episodes? Have you watched Reacher yet? And you didn't like that. Right. Well, I mean, and you, you didn't like, you didn't like, like it. Problem, I mean, a lot of the times, it's me, just I like, it. okay, it was fine. I didn't, I didn't hate it or have anything with it, but I don't care yeah, enough yeah, to yeah, watch yeah. it. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay, that's all right. Yeah, I gotcha. Well, so now we got that out of the way. Um. I really needed. I wanted to know that, but I'm having fun. If no one else has anything, yeah, same. Uh, So, but if no one else has anything to add, I guess we will be signing off. Uh, Once again, we thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you, Chris, for uh, for joining us for this this talk and for bringing a long forgotten movie (laughs) back to my attention. Uh, (laughs) uh, So. To the audience out there, we look forward to welcoming you to the next chat, which we are hoping will be having Chris back, and we are finally going to be talking some basketball. Oh. 
because Ooh. oh boy, has there been some stuff in the basketball world that yeah, we have Celtics fans that we have been a dirty dog. Your coach is a dirty dog. I know, but we'll get more into that in depth on the yep, next we'll episode. But the yes, there are like between between blockbuster trades that have happened recently, and then all the Celtics news that just dropped. Robert Williams is very disheartening it. for me and Chris. Yep, yep. All these things we will discuss on the next episode. And once again, we can't wait to welcome everyone to the next chat. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye.